You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. See anything new? Uh, didn't see anything new, but revisited some films on Sunday. You know what? You know what Sundays are great for? Sundays are great for like turning on the TV, turning on cable, picking a channel, and just letting it play, and doing like some laundry, doing some chores in the background <laughs> while you just let these B plus movies kind of roll on and on. Start, but at the beginning of the day, they were showing uh, Cheech and Chong's uh, Up in Smoke, which Love I haven't it. seen in like mm. thirty years, but uh, looks good. Still holds up. Still funny. Uh, uh-huh. Definitely of its time. Uh, after that, they showed a uh, game night rerun of game night. Have you seen that? Oh, that movie's so fun! Jason Bateman, yeah, Rachel so McAdams. Good. It is so good. Great double feature, by the way, with uh, last week's tag with, that I mentioned. Uh-huh. Watch tag and game night. Yeah, both hilarious. Both within, within the same vein. Yeah, kind of within the same vein, that same level. Uh, both super funny and super super engaging. And I want to say both uh, came out in the same year. Maybe I think they did. Yeah, twenty eighteen. He's so funny. In that <laughs> He's thing. the fucking best. Oh, I love so that guy. <laughs> How about you, Tess? Anything new? Uh, no new movies this week, but I watched a couple of new shows. Well, they came back on Netflix. So uh, <laughs> I saw season two of uh, Dead to Me and also oh, yeah. uh, season four of Working Moms. That's what I finished. All in like one day because each of the episodes are like 30 minutes. So it didn't take that long to finish them, honestly. <laughs> right through. In test quarantine. You just <laughs> blow through these TV shows. Did you guys uh, Did you guys ever watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? No, but I've heard a lot I of good things. I saw the first like handful of episodes of that. and It just didn't grab me. Oh, okay. Well, I just I mentioned that because uh, Netflix just released their interactive, the new interactive movie. Oh, and is that? Oh. For Kimmy Schmidt, yeah, yeah. So if you're a fan, if anybody listening happens to be a fan, check it out. Um, I also I mentioned last week the uh, the new animated Scooby Doo movie Scoob. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Check that out. Uh, you did. I haven't finished. I haven't finished it completely yet, but um, been watching it in pieces. I think I still got about like 30, 40 minutes well, left. The Joel the method, yeah. Uh, really? It's guys, I love it. I, I love it. <laughs> you I have a soft spot. So You've got a soft spot for Scooby Doo. I absolutely do. No, but this is, I mean, and if you like, I, I don't want to qualify it like that, like saying if you like Scooby-Doo, then you'll like this. But I think if you are a fan, it definitely pays proper homage to, like, the source material. Uh, mm-hmm. It does a complete, like, CG style, but, like, version of the opening of Scooby-Doo that you remember from the cartoons. Oh. Uh, like, shot for shot, like, remake of the intro. Uh, oh, but, that's cool. but it's it's a it's a really cute movie, and I kind of feel bad that like this quarantine thing hit when this movie was coming out. No. I feel like Sc- Scooby Doo has yet to get a fair shake in the box office, <laughs> uh, and and this one like not only is it Scooby Doo, but it like it brings in like the whole Hanna Barbera kind of universe into this movie where like the villain is uh, is Dick Dastardly, and like there's mentions of Muttley and oh. they bring in like the Blue Falcon character and uh, like I can't remember what is it Dynamut like these oh, yeah mm-hmm. these obscure Hanna Barbera Scooby Doo cartoon characters like making appearances in this movie and it's it's great the voice cast is really good Will are uh, not Will, Will Forte. Yeah. As Shaggy, even though I still feel like they probably could have gone with uh, uh, what's his name from the live action movies again. Yeah, um, um, the guy from Scream. 
Yeah, oh, Matthew good. Lillard. There you go. Matthew yeah. Lillard. Oh. He because that dude can do a, a shaggy voice like nobody's mm-hmm. business. But <laughs> but Will Forte is really good, and uh, you know you've got Jane the Virgin. The uh, yeah. oh, I can't remember. Gina her name. Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez mm-hmm. playing Velma and Zac Efron, perfect as Fred. <laughs> <laughs> and like the the whole story to it is really cute. Like it opens up on a young Shaggy who's like listening to like these self affirmation podcasts because he has no friend. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's it's fun. It's a super fun movie. Uh, and and even though I haven't finished it yet, I think I could still safely give it a recommendation. All right. Oh. Uh huh. Yeah. Check out Scoob. Um, Did you pay for what it? Else? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what? Silly me. What are you talking about? This is the Editing Bay on the Next Wave Radio <laughs> Network. My name is Joe. I'm Joel. And this He's is where we have to talk about movies. And not... <laughs> I, w- I was really hoping you were going to do what we were talking about earlier. Today. Oh, yeah, and I do care about white people. <laughs> 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 what? Almost forgot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Explain I'm going to you know, me, forego the whole rest of this introduction because I was teasing Tess because obviously if you're listening to this, you know, like usually we try to do, uh, a, you know, tributes to celebrities that have passed away if someone happens to pass away. And we just recently lost Fred Willard, That's right. comic genius Fred Willard. And I, when Tess had picked this movie and then we got the news about Fred Willard, we reached out to him. We were yeah. like, hey. So do you think you maybe you want to change your pick or anything? Yeah. And and Tess is like, well, that sucks that Fred Willard died, but nah, I'm gonna keep. It. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. And it, <laughs> and it was just it made me laugh because like that like just recently, uh, Jimmy Kimmel did an entire episode <laughs> dedicated. To Fred Willard. Oh, did he? To the memory. Yes, oh. in honor of Fred Willard. He did an entire episode of a tribute to Fred Willard. He, yet, we can't be bothered to do a Fred Willard movie, but we sure as shit did one for Ephraim Khan or whatever. <laughs> it was a slow week. He's only he's only in the movie for like two minutes. He has no lines. Mm-hmm. Listen to our uh, Darjeeling Limited episode from a couple of weeks ago. So, so I told Tess this morning, we were on our call, and I was like, Tess Akinpelu doesn't care about white people. <laughs> if that was Denzel, you know we'd be doing uh, not true. Man on Fire this week. Oh, yes. No, he definitely would or be. Glory. What would be our Denzel movie? I go Glory. I mean, Kobe Bryant died, and Tess was all over that shit. Yeah. 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 In that movie for like one scene, <laughs> he's your ear for con. He's your ear for con. That's right. No, so uh, so yeah. So I just that's why I told Tess. I was like, as we when we open the podcast tonight, I'm going to do like when we do the names, you should scream out. I do care about white people. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man! All right. So this week, uh, Tess's pick mm-hmm. that does not feature does not feature Fred Willard. Doesn't really feature. It's categorized as a dark comedy, but uh, I would dare say that there really is much funny about actually joe i'm I'm gonna correct you there because according to wikipedia it's categorized as an absurdist dystopian black comedy film (laughs) the absurdist i think adds a lot and uh, we'll give you an idea for the tone so yeah it it, i don't think it has too much of that comedy element though uh also um i i I would say that it doesn't have much personality at all (laughs) it's like if a film were made by a robot it's like if no if a film were made by Autistic people for autistic people. There you go. <laughs> that's for, what this for a the movie lobster. That, for a movie that's supposed to be about like finding your true one and love, uh, it, it it almost feels like it's written by somebody who's never experienced love. 
Right. Or just can't exactly. express it in a way that comes across via the medium of film. Now, I, I, I will say before we even jump into it, like there are things about this movie that I appreciate. Oh, uh, yeah. Things that will stick and, with me. And things oh, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, things that stuck with me. And I was like, oh, wow. But for the most part, um, there's going to be some heavy criticisms on this end. <laughs> We're talking about 2015's The Lobster, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Lanthimos? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, He's also the director of a movie called The Killing of a Sacred Deer. And, oh, he uh, did whole, that. A whole bunch of other shit I've never heard of. Yeah, a lot of artsy so, fartsy shit, huh? The, um, the budget for this movie was $4 million, mm-hmm. and it brought in $18 million. So oh. a success. Wow. Yeah, the indie crowd uh, loved this one. <clears throat> the indie crowd did love this one, but there were also some fantastic films that came out against this movie in Ooh, 2015. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, we had uh, <laughs> previously heard on this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm, loved it. Uh, also had Jurassic World, Inside Out, The Revenant. Uh, mm-hmm. Avengers Age of Ultron, The Martian, The Big Short, Furious 7, The Hateful Eight, Star Wars, The Force mm-hmm. Awakens, Spotlight, Room, Straight Out of Compton, Creed, yeah. Jupiter Ascending, Spectre, Brooklyn, The Man from Uncle, Ant Man, The Good Dinosaur, Chappie, Mission Impossible 5, Rogue Nation, Get Hard, Daddy's Home, <laughs> and my favorite, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah. Uh, Good year for mm-hmm. film 2015. Yeah, not a bad one. Good not year for a bad like fandom for like pop culture type of films of of uh, high quality. Yeah, and Daddy's Home. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do our Daddy's Home episode. Do we do that one? That's the Mark Wahlberg, yeah. Will yeah. Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. 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 Kobe Bryant. The Kobe Bryant. The Kobe Bryant. How quickly that was a pre-COVID world. I don't remember anything <laughs> yeah. pre-March eighth. Do you think that Kobe dying was what brought COVID? Oh, it's it's like the oh. seventh seal. Yeah. No, <laughs> you think you think yeah that it was like he was the force of Kobe Bryant was keeping it in check, and now that he's gone, like COVID's like I can return. He gave rah. balance to the universe. He's like no. a, it's like Legend of Zelda, exactly. But I, yeah, but I did see somewhere that made me sad where they were like, if if COVID nineteen had hit earlier, Kobe Bryant would still be alive. Yeah, oh. yeah. I was like, that's so sad and and dark. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's super dark. So dark Tess, time. Tess, tell us about this movie that you chose. Yeah, tell us, Tess. something fun with Fred Willard. <laughs> tell us why we should let you continue to choose movies. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea uh, was that? Because well, I don't remember signing off on that, by the way, Joe. <laughs> well, 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 this pick, that's the thing about this pick. This movie, when it came, when it came out. Hey, hey Joel, prove you prefer the, <laughs> you prefer the lobster or American Ninja? Uh, passenger 57 you know what i your passenger 57 bought you some goodwill no, no, for a no, while but no. anything you had any you're you're uh <laughs> if you were in the black you're you're back at uh level right now Ooh, whoa. no oh. i'm <laughs> as opposed to is. being in the red my reminder <laughs> <laughs> so you just don't care about white people <laughs> oh my god, oh my god. Jesus. no but no but yeah pick joel american ninja or this movie oh shit uh, okay um <clears throat> i mean Okay, I th- I think there's more to hang your hat on with this film. Uh, I think it was mm-hmm. certainly trying to be something. I always have to judge films based on uh, what they were what attempting they were trying to, do to do and how successful mm-hmm. they were. So, which I think is bullshit. No, I want you to tell me which one did you enjoy more. 
Uh, no, okay, I enjoyed American Ninja before. I would walk. Of watch course, American Ninja of again. course yeah. you did, yes. because what? for all of its faults, at least American Ninja has a tone and has some kind of engagement. Yeah. Is even though it's ridiculous and it's B movie engagement, <laughs> it at least engages. This film, there's one scene in this movie where like, and I get what they're what they're trying to do, but it's too much. There's too much cold. There's too much robotic. Like, and the thing is, I feel like I think Colin Farrell is a fantastic actor. Oh yeah, and I do I do think that this movie is still evidence of that because this is so unlike any other Colin Farrell role you've Agreed. ever seen. And 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 just because he's he's doing what he's being told to do very well, it's just that what he's being told to do sucks. It's, yes, I agree. Like, this, is, this is our protagonist. This is the guy that's trying to find love in this dystopian world, and I don't care about him at all. No, he doesn't uh, doesn't earn it, and uh, I would argue by the end of the film, still has not earned it. Yeah, and and, like, and then we're left with a cliffhanger. We're not even sure how to yeah. feel yeah. as an audience certainly, about that. Character. Certainly, this movie thinks it's Inception. Yeah, it's just gonna leave that dreidel spinning <laughs> into the last. Yeah, frame. Right. So, so Tess, tell us why you picked this movie. <laughs> Yeah, Tess. <laughs> Defend your... <laughs> well, the main reason why I picked this film is because my roommate Luigi, this is one of his... He's going to blame it on the roommates. <laughs> yeah, I'm blaming it on the roommate, man, because I let him... I let... Hey, your I roommate's not on this guilt, podcast. Guilt me into it. You have to. No, he's not. No, he's not. I should honestly let him be on the podcast for this one. That's no, no, I, you should have just chosen a different movie. That's what you should have done. Yeah, just open the door, scream well, out Del Vecchio. See, and it, well, see, that's the thing that's so funny because it's one of his favorite movies. And I was like, all right, fuck it, I'll do this. And I was like, you know what? I guess it's a movie that maybe, just maybe, Joe and Joel are going to be like, oh, man, this shit was so different and weird, but in a good way. Here's maybe the thing. Actually, we actually liked it Here's a lot. Here's the thing. When, when you had picked it, for some reason, like, I remembered – liking this movie a lot more i remember than liking I it as well just last time watching <laughs> so you'd both seen it before i had seen it before uh yeah. and i was, and, and i after i saw it the first time i definitely remember liking it and i think it was in that like blowhard film studenty kind of way where oh, i was definitely. like oh yes the lobster have you guys seen the lobster <laughs> yeah and the thing is that wasn't that long ago like that was the same year my daughter was born yeah, was so five years we were doing the podcast then, <laughs> so I don't feel like I've changed much in that time. But yeah, after I saw this movie the first time, I really liked it. I definitely remember that. But watching it yesterday, yeah. I could I I couldn't stand it. Well, I could not stand. This I will film. give it that. It is memorable. There are things in here. There are images that will stick with you. As I said, there are. Uh, it's it's certainly a unique premise, and uh, I think it works better as an, an elevator pitch. Like you know the. Uh, the write-up on the back of the box. Uh, yeah. And it's very intriguing. It was, oh, the, the and the, the way they sell it is a man is looking for love and he has 45 days to do it or he'll be turned into an animal. And yeah. That's, and there's some holes that need filling in, but just based on that, I'm like, okay, I like a little, I like a little Charlie Kaufman-esque, quirky uh -huh. mindfuck of a film every now and then. I love Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I love being John Malkovich. Sure. And I figured this yeah. was going to be kind of in that same vein. 
Yeah, but see, yeah, with those movies though, you kind of had you had a sense that the the director, the writer, the, the storytellers knew where they wanted to go. Yes. This this movie is one thing when it opens up. And and it's very interesting. It's a very interesting thing like life in this hotel mm-hmm. where people have to like find love, but then they start introducing like these other like most dangerous game elements where like then they go and they hunt the loners. And it's like I'm like okay, it's it's maybe pushing it a little bit, but I think I can still stay with this. Mm-hmm. But then it's like when he escapes the hotel and he's with like the group of where suddenly mm-hmm. it turns into children of men. And I'm like, yes. why are we doing this? Like this is suddenly turned into like a really uninteresting, like I get it. So now we've got, it's bad on both sides. It's, I was comparing it to, to Sarah. I was comparing it to like people on Valentine's day. And like, yep. you know, you'll be hanging out, you maybe like on Facebook or social media, you'll post something about like, here's a picture of me and my loved one. Uh, love you. Happy Valentine's Day. And usually without fail, one of your single friends, and it's usually <laughs> the same person every year, will post something like, happy sad, happy singles awareness day, blah, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. it's just a stupid holiday to sell cards. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's kind of what this movie reminds me of. It's like there's the people who are the couples are like the people who believe you must be in a relationship because it's true. There, There is a mentality sure. that whether you like it or not, p- couples usually look at single people a certain way and single people have an idea of what couples yes. the grass are, are is like always or what green. they should be. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so that's kind of what's going on in this movie when they're like he's with – it seems like he's in a horrible situation at the hotel, but then he escapes and he's with the loners just to find out. That like, and I hated this. I hated that whole thing that like the loners <laughs> stay single, they stay alone. Like yes. we 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 don't promote like any kind of contact. And I'm like, yeah. dude, the, this is that's annoying. That is annoying because like, so you have two absolutes on either side, mm-hmm. and anybody who's in the middle is eliminated. Like yes. th- that doesn't make any sense. The that, loners. Uh, the loners can only masturbate, but if you get caught masturbating in the hotel, your hand will get put in a toaster, as we learned the hard way from poor uh, John C. Riley. But before we get off the loners, I wanted to point out that one line that, uh, yeah, she's when she's talking about being a loner, the, the, the leader of the loners, she says, here we only dance alone. That's why we only listen to electronic music. <laughs> So every now and then it would delve into this. I mean, the whole thing is satirical, obviously, and it has a message it's trying to say. I get that. I appreciate it about that. I just thought it was very heavy handed and not nearly as clever as it thought it was uh, yeah. in, in its delivery. Like I, I was kind of waiting for it to go to that next level. But instead, like you uh-huh. said, it kind of just took this hard turn and, and it seemed like it's only it's only real trick was that I can shock you. I can show you yeah, some imagery. Yeah. Here's a dead dog that we're gonna stay on this bloody shot for for ten seconds. Here's uh-huh. uh, uh, you know poor what's her name getting her eyes taken out. The woman who jumps off the the first floor of the hotel. Oh, yeah, and, and doesn't die and is like moaning doesn't and die. screaming. Jen and I were trying to watch this together, and like there are moments like that we just kind of had had to click through. It felt like torture porn. Well, and not even not even the moments that shock you, like the big moments, but like the little ones where she's like sitting on the bus next to him. Oh, oh yeah, like, she's like, if we don't find, if you don't find anybody, and I don't find anybody, how about I come to your hotel room? Yes. I'll give you a blowjob. I'll also let you have anal sex with me. I don't <laughs> care. And I'm like, and there's like no emotion. There's nothing behind it. Yeah. It's just very like, and that's everybody's delivery. The way everyone is directed in this movie is very clinical. The only person who has any kind of personality is John C. Riley, and yeah. I almost feel like that's because they couldn't direct him. <laughs> like I feel like John, he has a one tone. 
I feel like there was one point where John C. Riley maybe just told the director, like, no, <laughs> I'm going to do it like this. <laughs> Good. Could have used more of that in this film, I think. The, yeah. Because he's, he's honestly the only bit of life that's in this yeah. movie where she jumps off the, the, the first floor or whatever. Yes. And Will Ferrell walks up to the woman that isn't Robin Wright, uh, but she kind of looks like her. Robin Wright. Li- Robin Light. Robin Left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good, too. <laughs> He walks up to her and he's like, I was just golfing. I don't know what happened. I sure hope that she dies quickly. You know what? Never mind. I hope she she takes a long time and she experiences a lot of pain. I just don't want to hear her in my room because that would be uncomfortable. Like, I get it. I mean, I get what he was trying to do. He was trying to appeal to her sensibilities. To her right? sensibilities. Yeah. But, but I mean, heartless. But that, I mean, you ha- to not be able to sniff that out, but then also like the way she would respond. Okay. Well, I'm tired of talking now. I'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Like, and that, and the thing is, I would give it a pass if it was just that moment. But that's how every interaction works in this movie. Even when he joins the loners, that's how a lot of his interactions, like his interactions with the police officer that almost catches him at the mall, mm-hmm. the interactions yeah. he has with Rachel Weisz, the the interactions he has with the leader of the loners. Like, he digs his own grave and then lays in yeah, it, just literally. And I'm yeah. like. Why aren't you like, oh, okay, you know, all right, whatever. I almost forgive it. If you're trying to get the most bang for your buck as far as the satire goes, like this whole film has a very surreal feel to it. Um, and, uh-huh. if you, and if you play it like actual humans would play it, with emotion, with inflection, uh, then you kind of lose a little bit of the message. I think, to play devil's advocate, I think the filmmakers would say the acting is as clinical as the motions they're going through. They're not doing it for the right reasons. But that that's not how you tell – when you're dealing with themes like love, yeah, you have to have um, – like there has to be something in it. Someone has to be feeling something. We have to feel like someone's feeling something. And it shouldn't be the woman who's been narrating the movie that we don't meet up with how until three quarters of the way through it. Yeah. It's totally weird. Um, but you have to feel something. Did you – let me ask you this. Did you guys ever figure out what was up with the cold open? Oh, I completely the forgot woman, about it. Tell me about it again. The woman, the woman who's driving down the street stops on the side of the road oh. and then shoots the donkey. Oh. oh. So, I mean, obviously we find out through the course of the film that uh, those people who uh, attempt this this thing, this trying to find their mm. true love in 45 days, and they fail, they get turned into the animal of their choice, hence the title. Well, this isn't, this isn't an elective thing. This is something like if you don't have a partner in this society, you get arrested. Like we learn that when they go to the mall and yeah. they're like looking around like the police officers are like, do you have a certificate or can you prove that you have a partner? That's right. And and it's so like like I, uh, I, I don't it, – Sarah asked a good question. I was telling her about the movie earlier today and I was like, all right. So the movie opens up and like his wife has left him because she's cheating on him with another man. Mm-hmm. And so he gets put into this hotel and, and she, she was like, wait a minute. Why does he get punished because he was cheated on? Like she left him for another dude like that. And I told her, I was like, That's I don't good know. Point. I don't, well, the I subtext don't is that he failed her as a – he failed her as a husband. Yeah. 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 So, um, I think think that's what explains the beginning of it because it's probably a couple that the husband probably went through the whole process to, and that's the wife at the beginning coming just to kill her husband, who is now a cow. (laughs) 
Like that's yeah. that was what our that was what the interpretation I had of yeah. it, like all these years and seeing it the last time. Because I, I remember asking that the first time I watched it. But we like, never what was that about? We never see that character again, right? It's never addressed yeah, or never alluded again. to. Yeah. I always like uh, the beginning of my films to start with a little animal cruelty. Like just get it out of the way, let you know what you're in for. And then and then just give us some more moments of animal cruelty yeah, throughout. Dead dog and who else dies? Yeah, sp- what else dies? Sprinkle it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do appreciate that. I do like uh, the because it, rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> it is such a unique idea, and again, the, the concept I think is uh, better than the, the actual execution. But I like the idea; it gives them the opportunity yeah. to just sprinkle in these random animals in the forest throughout the yeah. rest of this film. <laughs> like you see, a, like a humped llama that just yeah. walks by in the background. A fucking camel is a peacock. Yes, is a flamingo, <laughs> and I even notice the girl gets turned into a pony. She shows up in the background at one point as well. Okay, so that brings, oh. okay, I'm going to want to talk about that a couple okay. in, a, in a couple of aspects. But this this first one, I kind of feel like I wanted to save this for near the end after we kind of talked about the story a bit. But I'm just going to jump into it. Uh, we we don't believe that they were turning people into animals, right? Like that, we don't believe that. Yeah, you don't think so? No, that's what I believe. No, <laughs> I believe Whoa. that too. <laughs> yeah. So the, the what fact are they do? They're brought them? in, and <laughs> when when they're processed, when they're brought in, mm-hmm. they're 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 forced to tell what animal do you want to be, mm-hmm. and then after that, they're told you have thirty days until we go ahead and turn you into this animal, or yeah. you find love. Well, within that thirty days, I think they're finding the animal that like is supposed to be you. And I think when you're you've reached your limit, you get executed. Oh, they just you're kill dead. you, and then they release the wild animal of your choice into the wild yes. to represent and then, like, you, and then like show people like, ah, look, because how how really did they are they going to turn you into an animal? So then that woman how at the did, beginning just like killed an innocent cow, killed an innocent cow. <laughs> well, how did because, she know? Oh, wow, she seemed pretty because certain this, that was her cow. This 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 is the flimsy house of cards that this movie is built on is that we have to believe that this is a society of people who truly believe that and i'm going to say it no one could say it better than my wife my wife uh <laughs> that we live yeah. in a society that they have the ability to put a human into the body of an animal but they can't help you find love <laughs> like they can't make <laughs> love with you you know there is that, that there is that scene between uh the lisping man played by john c Riley, and uh, the limping man uh, everybody i don't know if you looked at the credits by the way and i no one has proper names no yes. one has names. Uh, yep. the, the three guys do john robert and, and mark or whatever paul uh ringo but uh, everybody else is just referred to as you know the the, the biscuit woman or biscuit woman. Uh, the nose nose woman girl mm-hmm, that's right yeah where's it going with this i don't know Oh, <laughs> that nobody has proper oh, name. Oh, there, there's that scene where the three of them are sitting around the table, and I think John C. Riley is the one who's telling them how they do it, right? How they like take your skin off, and then they well, uh, well, it was, reform it was, you yeah, into an animal. He was like one of the waiters said that they know it, yeah. and and that was even disproved because like they don't let the waiters anywhere near there. Well, yeah, well he said he said so. It's all that he said, she said, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they actually did. I don't. I think that because they even ask, like, "What is your defining? What do you feel like is your defining characteristic?" And they even say that when they introduce themselves. Hi, my name's John, and I have a limp. My my wife died. She had a limp too. Like, so if he were to be turned into an animal, they would have found an animal that had a limp. I think you know, just like how with the pony, they turned the girl into a pony. And she had the same hair as the girl, and that everybody talked about her hair. You have beautiful hair. It's so. 
it, it, I, I don't think they're actually turning anything into animals. So then, remember he in part of the uh, mm-hmm. the narration, they in in when Will Ferrell gets in a fight with the mean girl. Like he drags her into the transformation room and she's like, nobody knows what he turned her into, but you know, it's implied that it was a pig, right? We see the pig later. Yeah. It's implied it was a pig, but how would he know how to do it? (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think there's a whole other layer of stuff that we don't, that to me would have been way more interesting. Hmm. If this was a movie about a guy, like this could still be that Logan's run society that you have to have like a, a significant other. And if you don't, we turn you into an animal. And he stumbles upon like the fact that they don't actually turn you into animals; they kill you. It's so green. Gonna, it's all yeah, people. exactly. It's another another soiling green. But to me, to me, that's a much more interesting story and a much more interesting plot and less complicated than what they tried to achieve here. Yeah, I hear you. I, I for me, I never really took the premise that literally or seriously. Like I never thought that this was an yeah. actual real world. This whole thing seems like just an allegory for dating and relationships and the society, you know, uh, uh, well, yeah. that we've but why, created. Why does, it, why does it have to be mutually exclusive? Uh, I, I, it doesn't. I just think the way this film is told, it's not it doesn't care to fill in those gaps. <laughs> It doesn't really care about how this reality works. It's just like, hey, what? If? It's like you get fucking stone sitting around with your friends and be like, hey, man, what if? This is not the movie I would watch. Only way. <laughs> no, no, do not watch this movie, Stone. By the way, you have a bad trip. This is funny. Uh, actually, my my in laws, Jenna's parents, um, they uh, went to Seattle a few years ago and uh, got some edibles. Apparently, they're like in their sixties, mind you. I love them. They're the fucking coolest mm-hmm. in laws. Uh, and uh, sat down to watch the lobster, and, uh, oh, God. <laughs> and and they warned us. They warned us ahead of time. It is not good, and you will not enjoy it. But I thought I still might like it because I like <laughs> I like off the wall flicks, and and they do too. Um, but uh, yeah, I I should have listened. I should have heeded their advice. But yeah. no, I never took it that literally. I I always just took it for the allegory it was. And in fact, if you guys ever watched Black Mirror, ever seen any episodes of Black yeah. Mirror? Yeah, love it. There's love a it. yeah. Have you seen? There's a an episode that I think did this premise. But better, just without the animal transformation part. I think Uh it was called like the 99.8%. It was a percentage. And it was basically to give away the – yeah, have you all seen this? I've seen that. Tess, have you seen this one? Because I might give it away here. No, go go ahead and give it away. I've seen them all, but I can't remember it right now. The the premise is that they've taken uh, these two individuals, their personalities, they've programmed it into a computer, and then they're running this perpetual simulation. They run it like a thousand times. And oh yeah, to yeah. see if they would be if they're compatible in the simulation, then we know they're compatible in the real world. And it was it was uh, it's like this uh, dating site just yeah, in the future. Yeah. Uh, and it was very uplifting. Wow. And it actually showed emotions. It showed these characters in anguish and love and all of the emotions that go along with finding another person. And I, and you feel something at the end. You you want them to get together. You're rooting for them. And there's yeah. none of that in this film. No, no. not at all. What, 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 is, what exactly was Colin Farrell's point when he when they infiltrate the ho- the hotel? Like they all go and they infiltrate the hotel. He goes to the. By the way, <laughs> when when he and the mean chick come across John and his wife, and that's the whole like, you know, if uh, if if you feel like you're having any problems, we will assign a child to you. We find that that solves things yeah. uh, or, or, or makes things better. Which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Uh, so like they come across each other on the beach and Colin Farrell trying to act like a mean guy like it's he like kicks the little girl kicks the girl it's like why would I why would I want to hug from a, a, a little girl like you uh 
and uh and, but he comes back when they come back to the hotel he goes to the yacht where they're living and walks in and is like just wants to tell her like hey he doesn't have a bloody nose i just wanted you to know he does that you know just so that way you yeah. think he has bloody noses like but he doesn't really have them but there's really no fallout about it afterwards like there's yeah. no and that's kind of my problem with this whole movie like just as a whole i feel like that's what this movie suffers from is like some buildup that never ends up like paying off in any significant way. He's just basically working through his own shit through the entire film. But even at the end, we're not sure how well he's progressed. And, and like I said, it leaves you hanging as to whether he's going to yeah. make that sacrifice to, to blind himself, which is a really horrible image. Him like with a no. fucking steak knife to his eyeball in the bathroom. And I'm sorry, uh, help me out. How did we get to this conclusion that that was going to be like, that's obviously what I need to do for our relationship to work? Again, I just think it's all an allegory. Like, it, she, he, could he stay with this person who was disabled, handicapped at this point? Was true love yeah. going to uh, see it through? Was he going to make uh -huh. the sacrifice so that they could be equals? Because they had that right. whole language before, which I thought, oh, finally, here's some heart. We're starting to see some sweetness in this film. They're showing some emotion. <laughs> we got to get rid of that. Yeah, we yeah, got to get rid of that. Fuck that, right especially right before the credits roll. What do you it, think, Ted? <laughs> it, uh, I mean, it's like, the, that's the thing. It, it was all over the place. It's one of those movies that it was trying to be so different and weird. Yeah. From what I could take. And it definitely did that because you can't watch this movie and not be like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Yeah. Like at at several different points in this movie. It's like, why is this happening? And why are we here? And before you be in one scene and it set up something happening, and then before you know it, we'd be in something else happening and be like, All right, so are they gonna bring that other thing back a little bit? And some things they they kind of would like like the uh, the nosebleed, they brought that back. They brought what happened with they they brought what was happening with him up until, like you said, up until like uh, when they met up and they saw the kid. Then after that, you don't see what happens with him. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like with John C. Riley, it's like you you see him like where where he gets in trouble for masturbating and everything, and then like <laughs> and then later and then you see him in the woods actually uh, get killed. And I mean, then he's dead. But there's no what happens after he's dead like like and, and what a horrible nothing. way for him to go with colin farrell being like you're my best friend yeah. you're my best friend <laughs> yeah. no you like the other guy more than me yeah, i love that uh, what he's talking what's about his name what's his name <laughs> <laughs> oh see i don't even remember it yeah <laughs> they were fun they were funny see see there were funny moments like yes. that those moments like those were like that's that dry humor that that i do find pretty funny at times like that I I think the moment that got the biggest laugh out of me is when Colin Farrell was late getting back to the camp and the, the leader was like, where have you been? And the, oh, fact, yeah. that, <laughs> oh, yeah. the fact that he uses, well, I was over there masturbating behind yeah. that seat. <laughs> that's his and alibi. that's just okay. That was just sound. I'm going to have to use that whenever I'm late anywhere. Oh, I'm, hey, oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was masturbating. I have to crank one out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I guarantee you, no follow up questions. If you use that excuse. <laughs> oh my god! So um, I think that we uh, we would be uh, it would be very regrettable if we finished talking about this movie and we didn't talk about Olivia Coleman as the hotel director. Oh yeah, uh, she she is even even in this with this 
what I would consider kind of a crap script. I think she is turning in an awesome performance. Uh, she's she's everything that you want this character to be. Uh, you know, this Hotel California. I, I don't even know how I would describe her, like what I would compare her to. She was like the uh, in Harry Potter, in that fifth Harry Potter movie, when the, the woman who always wears pink takes over Hogwarts. Oh, no. Nope. Dolores Umbridge. There you go, Dolores Umbridge. You son of a bitch. Oh, shit, sorry. I almost recast her as well. You didn't have to tell me. You could have held that on. True. (laughs) True. You could have held that. But yeah, she is like this. Like the moment Joel started talking, I was like, he's totally going to go. God damn it. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I was trying to describe it without. I was trying to describe it without using that example. (laughs) My bad. You're right. I'm always there to. Shit on your uh, option. No, Fill in the blanks. It's just, it's just obviously that's I wasn't the only one that drew that comparison. Uh, but yes, but without no, being so yeah, heavy-handed, it's, right? It's, it's what she is, yeah. And and I think she does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. She's just a, a really good actress. Um, and that whole scene, that whole sequence where like they catch her and her husband in bed. Oh yeah, and they wow. make him choose. They're like, which yeah. one of you, which one of you could live without the other? Like, which one, <laughs> which one of you would be okay? if the other one had died. And he's like, I'd be okay. I'd be all right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, guys, not a good date movie. Do not take your loved <laughs> no. one, wife or girlfriend uh, it, to see the lobster thinking that there's going to be all sorts of feels at the end. Because, this movie uh, was made by a loner. <laughs> yes. And, Definitely. And, but specifically to torture couples. This movie, this movie is somebody basically tossing a hand grenade in thro- and shutting the door behind them. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, um, so there's that. There is the that. Uh, the music. <laughs> how, how are we feeling about the the weird like shining esque score Things, that's going uh, on in this? It is very shining esque. Got that uh, string quartet that's just kind of playing the same. Like I'm halfway through the movie and they've played the same music cue like three or four times uh-huh. uh, to the point where I was beating along with it. <laughs> so yeah, it like, yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, so I was masturbating along to it. That's right. <laughs> Any follow-up questions? <laughs> no, no, nope, you're nope, right. No, nope, you were nope. right. So, Joel, tell yes. us about your experience with this movie since you, this was your first time. Uh, I yeah. found it. Uh, I, I so I was in from the beginning, and I was actually appreciating the the very subtle uh, style that it had because it it said a, well, no, it was saying a lot story wise until it stopped being subtle. <laughs> yes, until it got very heavy handed. But the first couple of scenes. They're giving you just the little clues, and they're really using uh, an economy of dialogue to get their point across. And I was like, "All right, here's a master filmmaker and some great actors uh, telling a, telling a, an, an interesting story." So I'm in. I'm going to see where it goes. They're already dropping little bits when they ask about the dog. Oh, that's my brother. He was in here last year. He didn't make it out. Um, yeah. Wait, how do you explain that? By the way, if your whole theory is that they're faking it, do you think they just they made they, they found a dog that the, the brother <laughs> wanted to look like? And like within thirty days. Oh, we didn't even talk about like whenever you catch a loner, they go on those hunts and hunt yeah. loners. And for every loner you kill, you get another you get day. A day added. See, yeah. that, and you're absolutely right. Like that's its own concept. That's its own movie. The, you yes. know, the yeah. idea about turning into an animal. That's its own movie. The end part about uh, uh, being all with the loners and making sacrifices and punishing people who are couples. That's its own movie. If anything, this movie thing. had. Too many ideas in it and not a cohesive yeah. thesis. Yes. So, no, I think that the brother, just like anybody else, went in and was like, 
I want to be a dog. If I don't make it, I want to be a dog. They found a dog that fit the description of what he wanted to look like. And then they, they killed him. And then they got the dog and gave him to his next of kin, which I think they would do with all the other animals. They give the animals to their next of kin. But wouldn't you think like somebody would, would catch on to them? Like at the zoo, don't you think that like the fourth time the zoo gets a call about a peacock, like they're going to start using caller ID and putting the numbers together. But I think that that's, I I don't know. I guess to me that makes it, um, that that makes it a little, I I don't think they're stealing animals from the zoo. I think they're actually like procuring them. Uh, But I think that that makes it way more to me again. That's when John tells his story about wanting, he missed his mother. And he thought he went to the zoo where the wolf enclosure was, and he didn't oh, know yeah. which one she was. And so he would like keep he feed all of them. And then one mm. day he felt like he just wanted to hug her, so he jumped into the enclosure, and he was yeah. attacked by two of them, and the other two didn't. So he assumes his mother was one of those. Like, <laughs> or it could have just been that those two wolves had eaten, and they didn't mm. care. True. So I, I don't know. But I think know- the idea the idea that the animal that someone believes is their loved one isn't is a lot more I, I guess I'm giving the movie too much credit because that's a much more satisfying device, I think, than yeah. actual like we have used wizardry and we have turned <laughs> people into animals. But I do like the idea, the kind of a reincarnated uh concept here that like the hotel manager even has an explanation at the beginning scene when she's asking uh Colin Farrell, Hey, what type of animal do you want to come back as? And he says the lobster and it's kind of a curious choice, but he he, he makes his case for it. And she's like, that's actually a good choice. Like, um, the reason we have so many dogs around here is because everybody says dogs. Like, it's the first animal they think of. But all the endangered animals are the ones that people don't think of. We're not reincarnating humpback whales because nobody wants to be a fucking humpback whale. Uh I like that idea. Cool. But but beyond the (laughs) confines of that scene, yes, it it says nothing about the rest of the film. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, Tess, what are you what are you thinking? Well, you know what? Let me just boil it down to this: Would you recommend this movie? There we go. Yes, surprisingly, I would. It's one for me. It's my. I don't want to say it's my bad movie that it's I recommend. <laughs> yeah, it's that <sighs> movie that's like it's my what the fuck movie that I just want other people to not enjoy but experience. Gotcha. So okay. yeah. Definitely. Joel? Uh, no, I'm not recommending this movie to anybody. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, there are other films that are kind of like this that, that get the tone better, that maybe have something more they want to say. I'm not sure what the filmmakers wanted to say beyond just plopping this concept on you and then um, saying, you know, basically it tries to have it both ways, right? Like, Oh, everybody, society tells us we should all couple up. Like, you know, that's just this conformist attitude that, uh, and look how, look how we, our lives revolve around it and, uh, how we're obsessed with it. And it's all we want. And it controls our actions. It doesn't make us a better person. And in fact, it makes us do bad things sometimes. Yeah. But then on the other side, it, it, it then shines the spotlight on the loners and tries to make them just as evil. So I guess his thesis is that both sides suck. Everybody's bad. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. love is elusive. I uh I could not recommend this film. I, I would not recommend this film. This movie it, this movie lives in a weird space between like that douchebag blowhard film student. Yes. Uh and and some like, you know, avant-garde like uh, existential like European sensibility film. Oh, definitely. Uh, filmmaker that like Okay, so here's the thing. Like they they 
they come across a, a strong allegory and they start to make this story and then they start finding other allegories that find mm-hmm. that fit within and it's like then then it starts becoming like just like this this series of metaphor and like it's mm-hmm. it stops it, it it forgets that it's a story it forgets that it's some kind of a, a a medium to share ideas but also to entertain instead it's this person getting too wrapped up in mm-hmm. in all of the different metaphors and like almost to the point where it doesn't want the audience to know or or think that it forgot anything we didn't forget any of the metaphors like we mm-hmm. we have all of it we we've encapsulated all of it and instead of instead of focusing on like the first one that original idea of just a man in a hotel trying to find love before he's turned into like an animal and like the the whole, the whole plot therein instead it started like just grabbing at all these other things and it's like no i can't recommend it because this movie doesn't know what it wants to be so i don't think a, a, a logical audience would know how to f- even feel about that how to mm-hmm. even process this yeah. movie um and and i t- i get it like that's cool that it's it's a statement on the way that we see social norms as far as couples or people who decide to be single or are you know incels uh you know those those kinds of things like that's that's fine and you can write a, a vanity fair article about it if you want to <laughs> or a short story in the new yorker go ahead and do that but a, a two-hour film no, no, thank yeah. you. Not for me. I think a movie that did it much better um, was Spike Jones's Her, uh, starring Joaquin oh. Phoenix from a few years ago. Have you, have you guys seen that one? Oh, the yeah. one where he fucks his computer. Yeah, he falls in love with well, his OS, yeah. voiced by uh, yeah. <laughs> voiced by Scarlett Johansson, who is. Uh, I mean- I mean, I, who I want my OS to sound like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I fucked that away. When, when... <laughs> but, uh, another test t-shirt. <laughs> but that movie does a good job of, like, A, making you care and feel for the protagonist. B, uh, uh, throwing out this absurdist co- concept and kind of making you buy into it, at least suspend your, your disbelief. And yeah. then three, it takes you through like the life cycle of a, a relationship. So you see the highs and the lows, and you see, uh, you know, the, the romantic period, but then also you know the hardships and and uh, how he comes up at the other end. We don't get that with the Colin Farrell character here. And I'm I, again, I'm not sure what this movie's trying to say. Yeah, I th- I just feel like the worst thing that you could do is put together a story like this and have like your protagonist just be the least engaging yeah. person. Like in the film, like you just, you at no point do I feel anything for this guy. Like I just, I, I stopped caring ten minutes in. Not even when his dog, not even when his brother dog died. Oh, that sucks. No, he brought that upon himself. Yeah, yes, he did. <laughs> he made a, he made a stupid choice. He did. And him and and mostly his brother dog paid the price for it. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's horrible. He, he did, but he didn't think she's gonna kick the shit out of his brother she should have known all the warning signs were there everybody was telling him hey that woman the first person he talks to is like hey that woman's heartless she has no emotion she can't feel anything yeah he had to find it out the hard way actually the dog the dog found it out the hard way was was anybody else disturbed by the way that they like stimulated dudes in this movie Oh, oh my god yes and the way that they like stayed on it for like an uncomfortable amount of time yeah a couple of times again this movie's one trick is to just shock you yeah, and and uh, it thinks it's high art. It's trying to okay. say something. So, what did the That's lobster? What did right. 
what it's that's what did right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, one question I have for you guys though. Okay. So, so the way it ends with him having to make the big decision on whether or not he's gonna blind himself or not mm-hmm. in that situation, what would you guys do? I'd get out yeah. of there. Oh shit! <laughs> you, you, you just leave, you just leave her sitting there in, <laughs> in the dining hall. What kind of? I, I think that's well. It's it's a fun question to ask, but at, yeah. the same time, at the same time, like nothing that he does in this movie is anything a logical human mm-hmm. being would do. Yeah, and so yeah. the fact that we get to this place where he's like, "Well, she's been blinded. Uh, I guess I should blind myself." Like. Instead of like thinking, okay, well, that makes us a pretty good match. Yes. You can't see, but I can. All right, cool. Uh, like, no, of course I wouldn't blind myself because then I'm ha- I'm double handicapping both of us mm-hmm. instead of at <laughs> least using what I still have to benefit us as a couple. But it's kind of sweet putting themselves on the uh, on the same level, mm-hmm. making a I sacrifice. Mean, I mean, when you look at the look at the entire movie and all the shit he's been through up until that point. I'm not saying that blinding himself is just a very simple thing to do at all, but it's kind of like, man, he's gone through so much shit. He's finally found the girl that he loves. And, you know, she was nearsighted just like him and everything. But then, fuck, now she's blinded. So it's like the only thing he can do at this point is blind himself because he can't go back to the loners. No, so the, only thing, like, the only thing he can do is keep his eyesight, get a job so he can support. <laughs> see what I would have honestly see what I would have done. I would have just acted like I was blind as well. Just that's came what back I, that's and just what like, I, yeah. oh, I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, hey, get out of here. I'm, oh, I can't see stuff. <laughs> She'll never know. She'll never know. Right? How, how would she know? It's like you remember when she was trying to fake like she could see and everything. And he brought it. It's like oh, oh yeah, but it but looks, it's delicious. But it's like he tells uh, uh, the 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 limping man earlier that uh, their entire relationship was built on a lie. So he can't do right. that. Mm-hmm. He'd be just right. as bad as him. Well, I mean, well, was, it, well we she, don't know what happened with the limping man. It seems she, like it may have gone good with him. Like I don't he know. Got well, a yacht, right? He got a yacht and a kid. Yeah, but the, <laughs> the kid is handing her mom a knife to stab the intruder. That kid ain't right. That kid no. sounds like he loves her parents. Like she loves her parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go. She was raised well. Till death do them raised, raised very well. Wouldn't you want your kid to do that, Joe? If you're under if you're under duress. Oh yes. <laughs> no, but here's my thing. Like, did did Rachel Weiss like ask him to blind himself? No, I don't think I, so. No. No, he no. just came up with that on his own. So instead, instead we have a situation where he either blinds himself because he said he's going to do it, or he's going to feel like he's going to have to bolt. And I believe that Colin Farrell bolted. Well, I think oh, so, yeah. too. Oh, his character the entire movie showed me that he bolted. He was silent. <laughs> I think yeah, so, the too. The entire movie. That was what that was what his trait really was. He exactly. was spineless. Yeah. He wasn't that's, near nearsighted. That's why he should have been a jellyfish. Oh, nice, nice. The, the jellyfish so, coming in twenty twenty one. No. Uh, so so yeah. uh, so what did the movie do right? Oh, we already did that, didn't we? No, 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 we did not. No, we skipped over. Yeah, you were yeah, asking if that. we would recommend it. What did the movie do? Okay. Right? Uh, for me, for me, what it did right was definitely the concept of the movie. The idea, it like Joel. I think you uh, summed it up by saying basically it was a great idea, but the execution wasn't great at all. So for me, that it, what it did right was the idea, but then I guess to 
get ahead of myself. What it did wrong was the execution throughout the entire movie of everything. I like that. Yeah, the the cast is pretty good. The acting is really yeah. Again, the director was telling them to perform in this very specific, very stoic style, uh, and they stayed with it. You felt like everybody was kind of in this same world, with maybe the exception of John C. Riley, as you said. He's yeah. what you would call the comedic relief, if there is any in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I what I had down was the same thing that Tess said. I thought that the concept for this was really good. This was this is classic, like you know, uh, the, the Outer Limits, Twilight yeah. Zone, uh, Black Mirror. It's this is a total concept like that, and something that works in maybe forty five minutes, yeah. not two hours. Yeah. Uh, also, had the, it, it was a good concept. Had they just stuck with the initial concept and not gone like into this whole deeper thing with like the loners versus the couples and blah 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 like it just it it lost sight of what it wanted to be the snake almost gobbled itself up uh mm-hmm. and and it, it lost any credit that it had built up with me any goodwill that it had built with like the cool like slow build that they were doing within the first half of the movie uh a, a great concept something that reminded me of logan's run of soylent green yeah. mm-hmm. uh and then yeah it fizzled out uh, and and just like what Tess said, that's what it did. That's what it did wrong. Is that it? Just it did not deliver on the promise that it had made within the first, the first act of the movie. Mm-hmm. It didn't deliver, uh, and I think that that's that's horrible for you to like. The first the first act of this movie, I was still on board. I yeah. was I was a little like, wow, these people are. I don't remember them being this robotic, but I'm digging what's going on here. I'm digging this alternative world that's happening. But yeah, it's just the execution of it just killed me it, it it lost me uh i do agree i think the cast for this this movie is really good i i compare this to bong Ho, bong jun ho's uh snow piercer mm. where snow piercer was also telling a story about like a dystopian future right and yeah. classism and like how we see social norms oh yeah but snow piercer did it so much better i agree oh, so um so coming out with a show yeah. as well. Did y'all yeah, see it, that? it premiered this past Sunday. Oh wow, nice. Okay. Yeah. With Jennifer Connolly. That's right. Uh did you see yeah. it? Yeah. No, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I've got it downloaded. Listen to our uh, Snowpiercer episode from uh, earlier this year. Yeah. Uh what I think it did wrong for me, the uh the cruelty to animals. Like uh <laughs> it, the, yeah. the the beginning scene where she's killing the random cow in the field, I I, I kind of get that it was setting up the tone, and I I thought that that, that could be humorous, but the, the the poor shot of that dog and the story that the woman tells about how she killed it, like I really do think in films like this and like John Wick, there needs to be their own warning, like you know we've got PG and PG thirteen and R, there needs to be a special rating for hey there might be some animal corpses in this film Bro, mm-hmm. even john wick didn't dwell on the dead dog you didn't even yeah. really see it i think you maybe yeah. heard yeah, it you heard about you saw yeah, a wide heard shot. About it dude and at least with john wick you get that satisfaction yeah revenge <laughs> oh, yeah. seeing what he does to everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i still love the the meme about like thanos where like dr strange gives him a dog he's like the final infinity stone is in this dog and thanos rips him open oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next panel is John Wick showing up going, did anybody see my dog? Oh, no. And then we got Thanos, and he's, like, sweating like Jordan Peele. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, oh, I love it. Uh, all right, so if we were going to remake, uh, mm. I almost said Snowpiercer. If we were going to remake <laughs> The Lobster, how would we do that? 
I have a hell of a recast here. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep, here we go. Yeah, cool. And a director. Yeah, ten. And I have a director as well. Wow. Um, okay, so do you guys have a theme, or is it just kind of a random? Random. Pretty random for me. Oh, awesome. All right, who's the, the bottom of your list? Uh, I've got the the hotel manager's husband, I actually did. Oh, I didn't recast him. Yeah, I didn't either. Did you guys do yeah. Biscuit Woman? Uh, I did do Biscuit Woman. See, that's I, did I, the, I did the loner swimmer. That was my bottom. Ah, version. well, we all did weird different ones. I did not do yeah. either of those two. Um, <laughs> well, let me get out of the way real quick. Uh, so that, that husband, um, who has the lovely duet with the hotel manager as they're singing, God damn, that, song, that scene went on forever. Uh, but I can yeah, see yeah. I can see somebody like Toby Jones playing that role. You may know him as Doctor oh, Zoller from yeah. the Marvel Universe. He's got a big uh-huh. forehead. He's really good. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Kyle Gass from Tenacious D. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, what was the name of that guy from? What was the name of that guy from? Uh, not a long game, Polly, but Meet the Fockers. Oh, oh. He, uh, that he was that Philip he played basketball Seymour with. Hoffman. Yeah, that is a long game, Polly. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You knew exactly. What <laughs> I love that fucking scene. That's so great. Much. Oh, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. All right, so you don't have the uh, the biscuit girl? No, no. Chick, I do. I have biscuit chick. Uh, that would be played by Octavia Spencer. Oh god, damn, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the one who talks about blowjobs and anal. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Guys, and there were, and, and there were, kills herself. Guys, there were no, there were no black people in this movie at all, at all. But at I put, I, I had to put some color in my. Uh, cast. Yeah. Oh, nice. I'll get to all that. Right. I'm gonna call it an audible with the uh, biscuit woman. I'm gonna do Amy Adams. I could see her okay. doing that. Kind oh, like counter casting role. All right, go ahead, Tess. Amy. Rosie O'Donnell. I don't know. Oh, oh I like it. <laughs> First name that Man, comes to I have mind. just learned a lot about Tess in this five seconds. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what is that mean? He has to think of a woman, and the first woman he can think of is Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Not the first one I think of. Rosie O'Donnell is way too close to the first thing in your brain. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh to God. be fair, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, he thought was a little too on the nose, so had to go with <laughs> Rosie D instead. Okay, test. Who do you, who did you have? You had oh the, the loner, the loner uh, swimmer. Yeah, the loner swimmer, the guy who um, was with them when they would go into the city. Yeah, everything. Uh, for that character, I went with Tim Roth. Otherwise, uh-huh. no, yeah, you know him from uh, Pulp Fiction and a bunch of other Tarantino films. Oh, and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. That's right. Which yeah, means whatever you just said. For, my, for mine, I would go with Gary Oldman for that character. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to go with David Thewlis from the. He plays Lupin in the Harry Potter movies. That's oh, right. Oh, yeah. The villain yeah. on uh, season three of Fargo. And he also banged Leonardo DiCaprio in the basketball diaries. Oh, is that him? Yeah, really? that's him. Oh, my yeah, God. that's him. Yeah. <laughs> Coming <laughs> soon to an episode of the editing page. <laughs> That's his brain just blew up. <laughs> Before that bear from the Revenant got to him, <laughs> David Thewlis. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> oh, man. oh my god! Who's next? Who's next on your list, Joel? Uh, I got uh, the hotel manager, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I got her too. Okay. Yeah. The Olivia Coleman character. So I already, I'll, I'll get it out of the way because I already talked about it earlier in the podcast. I went with Imelda Staunton, who played mm-hmm. uh, Dolores Umbridge in Harry Potter. Yes, great pick. Uh, kind of, I should have done that. I'm glad you did. I went with uh, Helena Bonham Carter, another Harry Potter oh, alum. That's good. Yeah. I went with Katie Seagal. Ooh. <laughs> Katie Seagal's a good one. That's great. That's, that's, that's a good pick. I love her. You know what? Al Bundy could have been your, uh, your husband. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just get the yeah, two that would be better. Actually. That would be better, actually. Um, did you guys recast the uh, the mean chick? Uh, oh, Heartless, yeah, the Heartless Woman? Of course. Yeah, the Heart- yes, Heartless Woman. Yes, I did. Uh, I went with, uh, with X-Files' Jillian Anderson. Ooh, I like that. I could see her being cold. Mm-hmm. I went with Rooney Mara. Because okay. the accent and, and her uh, her performance reminded me of a girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. Mm. I went with Tomb Raider's Angelina Jolie. Ooh. Oh, wow. Girl mm. interrupted. She had that, pa- that pouty face. That I, I almost thought he was going to say, uh, what, what's her name? A- Alexa Vikander or... Oh, Alicia what? Vikander. Alicia Vikander, yeah. Because oh. um, no. she would have been good too. I thought she yeah. was a better Laura Croft, actually. Mm. Did you guys see that one? I, I have Raider? not. No, I haven't. Yeah. Okay. I heard good things about no, it, and now that I've played that video mind. game, I wanna, I, I will see it. Might ha- might have to watch it for this. Then. Yeah, it's funny, Joel. You watch the movie and you'll be like, I recognize some of this. <laughs> yeah, I recognize a lot of this. I'm actually. hearing they they took a lot of the scenes from the video game. Yeah, and adapted them. Oh. Yep. Uh, all right. So that was her. Uh, who's who's next on your list, Tess? Uh, I have the maid. I, the double agent maid. I've yeah. got that as well. Yeah, I went with Kristen Stewart because you know, that was that was just a boring character that I felt like she'd be perfect for playing. <laughs> Very, the role she was born to play. I, I went with, uh, I think, Cara Delevingne. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Devon. Ah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Delevingne. If Delevingne, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yes. From uh, Suicide uh, Squad. Suicide Squad. Mm. And uh, what's it called? The Valerian. Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, I went with uh, Saoirse Ronan. Ooh, good one. She's my Ronan. Ronan. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, next on my list is the uh, the nosebleed girl. Yeah. I uh, I recast Alexis Bledel. <laughs> oh, that's great. Girl. Very good. I like mm-hmm. that. I went with. Uh, the new hotness, her name is uh, Florence Pugh. You may know her from Midsummer. Yes. And the upcoming yes, and Black Widow film. Family. And Fighting With My yeah. Family. There you go. And The Little Women. Yes, there you go. Oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah. She's she's an incredible actress. Made a Making a huge name for herself right now. That's a good oh, yeah. pick. I forgot all about thank her. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to go, uh, I went with Caitlin Deaver. She, oh, yes. She was, uh, yeah, one of the stars in Booksmart. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, not Jonah Hill's sister. Not Jonah Hill's sister. The other one. <laughs> <laughs> the redhead. Yeah. Uh, all right. Did you guys do the uh, the leader of the uh, the loners? Of course. Yes. Okay. Uh, Jessica Chastain would be that for, Ooh, for me. I like that. I almost went with uh, Saoirse Ronan. She was my runner-up, but instead I'm going with uh, Melanie Laurent. We may know as Shoshana from Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I went with Emma, I went with, uh, Emma Stone. For that character. Oh, interesting. I like that. Yeah. Wow. But we to... have a whole health thing going on. I have Octavia, Octavia Spencer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, Emma Stone. Someone just has to eat poop cake or whatever it is that they do. <laughs> <laughs> How's someone going to eat poop? I, I, that whole storyline yeah. is. Yeah. How do you not know? <laughs> no, doesn't make any You'd sense. You'd smell it coming a mile like, away. Yeah, you would, you would know. You have a poop. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> the poo poo pee pee man. <laughs> oh my god! For the listener, Tess sent us that gift. Yes. Um, just or not even a gift. It was just a meme of the poo poo pee pee man. It was like say his name. You won't be laughing when he kills you. Kill you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my final four. Um, oh, yeah? Starting with the uh, the John character. Uh, the limping man. There you okay. go. Let's do it. Uh, I went with a man who had a limp in another project, uh, a show called Sherlock. I uh, went with Martin Freeman. Oh, nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I could totally yeah. see him playing that. Kind of an idiot savant. Uh, uh-huh. I went with Jeremy Davies. You know that guy? A little yes. wiry guy from Saving Private Ryan and Lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's very good. Well, I went with Steve Buscemi because I've been watching Sopranos and Holy I saw shit. him pop up. Dude, I forgot he was on there. <laughs> yes, he was the other the other Tony. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's another movie we uh, saw. I meant to mention earlier. We revisited uh, the original Fargo since we'd gone through the seasons. Watched the uh, movie to look for all the similarities, of which there are many. Uh, yeah, recommend that. Listen to our Fargo recall. <laughs> um. Okay. I'm sorry. Who did you say you had for that one, Joel? Uh, Jeremy Davies. Jeremy Davies. Okay. Um, so next we have the uh, the lisp, the man with the lisp, Robert John mm-hmm. John C. Riley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just trading out John C. Riley with Will Ferrell. <laughs> nice. They are interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> I went with uh, Jack Black in that role. That's mm. good. Well, this is where I added some color into this, oh. and I went with Kevin Hart for that character actually I could that would be that. hilarious just imagine that scene where he gets caught from masturbating and, oh, trying, no. to, and trying to catch ah! him <laughs> the worst part of that is as they have his hand in the toaster punishing him for uh, you know, I, I just I was afraid of hairy palms when I was a kid but who knew that a hand in the toaster was uh, also on the table but uh, oh, yeah, the worst part worse. of that is as he's struggling to pull it out, everyone else is like keep pulling his hand. You got the maid and the other guy, they're all holding his hand in the toaster. Awful. Yeah. That's one of those images yeah. that'll stick with you. Yeah. <laughs> and and that that even like further like really disappoints me about this movie that like all the stuff that John C. Riley's character goes through and he has <laughs> such like a, a horrible end. He comes to such a horrible end. Oh yeah. And it's like this character didn't deserve this. He got he gets punished constantly throughout this film. Should have kept his hands out of his pants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like why didn't Colin Farrell try to like recruit him for the loners instead of like you know Kill him. <laughs> to like hey come join us you could beat off all you want <laughs> yes. yeah it's like off behind all the trees you want no one says anything there's, there's no toasters in the woods. <laughs> you just can't kiss people or you know or they'll try to cut your lips off oh my you god <laughs> and you know what ever since yeah what do they call that the red kiss so we see that we see a guy with uh, like bandages on his lips oh well he got she caught men- kissing somebody she mentions the red fuck or something. Yes, the red the, intercourse or the, something yes yeah. the red intercourse and red uh, intercourse Oh. Jenna and I were on oh. edge the rest of the film waiting for that moment when we find out what the red intercourse is. Thank God they did not portray that on film. Oh, I'm sure they did. I'm sure mm. they were forced to take it out. I'm sure that, I mean, that's the kind of thing that a filmmaker does not introduce without Oof. like showing it later. Yeah. Uh, all right, so my final two, I've got the uh, the Rachel Weisz character, mm-hmm. uh, would be played by Ava Green. Oh, yeah. Oh, very nice from the uh, uh, Mission Impossible. Not Mission Impossible. James oh, Bond James movie. Bond. Yeah. Her, her character's name, Vesper Lind. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, she's great. Hmm. She's got sad eyes. I like it. She's got yeah. She's great. She's I went with uh, I went with speaking of Snowpiercer, the TV show. I went with Jennifer Connelly in that role. That's a good one. That's a that's a really good role for her. Well, piggybacking off of our episode from last week, I went with Anne Hathaway for that character. Hey, oh, Anne I like Hathaway. it. A little darker side. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right. So finally, the uh, Colin Farrell character. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start with you, Tess. Well, I went with the Duck Man, Emilio Estevez. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Who's casting Emilio Estevez? Tess is. That's who. I, t- Hathaway. I told you I was all over the place. I see. That's the, I couldn't think of. I couldn't think of anybody for this role. Like this was the one that honestly, surprisingly, it took me the longest to he's think like, of somebody he's for. Only three times her age. It, yeah, I know. But still, that's what. That's what would make this awkward movie even more awkward and ridiculous. <laughs> Just to lead Having, into it, huh? Yeah, have, having the lead characters be so awkward. And also, you won't even see Anne Hathaway for the majority of the movie. That's like, true. You won't, you won't see her until the end, so it'll be all right. And she does she does have a great voice for narration. There you go. Beautiful voice. Nicely done. Um, uh, okay, I'll go next. Um, right. Matching up Ava Green, obviously Daniel Craig is a great match with her. I like that. She would, not only that, but I think Daniel Craig, if you were ever to see the movie Cowboys and Aliens, I think <laughs> I think Daniel Craig's character is so charisma free in that movie. Oh, no. It shows me that like he could clearly play this role as well. Oh. Well hopefully you can bring some life into it with those beautiful blue eyes. Oh yeah. I think that's a good pick. Uh I went with um I mentioned the movie Her before by Spike Jones. How about uh-huh. uh Joaquin Phoenix playing that that's role? Good. Kinda Joaquin doing a little Joker esque. Queen Yeah, uh, I think you. Uh, I think you won the recast today, Joel. Oh, yeah. I will those, that. that's that's a strong. Thank yeah. You, thank you. Uh, oh, well, you didn't like correct? it either, West of it. No, dude, I hated that one. <laughs> <laughs> you, the Duck Man. You mailed your fucking recast. In. You mailed that in. <laughs> Tess Akinbelu doesn't care about white people. <laughs> oh my god oh by the way my oh, director yeah. uh spike jones obviously oh man that's who i was picking what yeah yeah because he did because he did her and my also director would be uh would be snow piercer's bong joon ho i like it bong joon ho she was doing the dance again Guys, if you have any thoughts about this movie, The Lobster, or uh, thoughts about our recast, go ahead and let us know. Go to Facebook.com slash Editing Bay or in the search bar on Facebook. Type in the Editing Bay. Find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. Click on that. That's where you could talk back to us and uh, let us know all your thoughts. If you got uh, ideas for movies for us to watch in the future, put your suggestions there. We'll add them to the list. We've also got a website, right, Joel? We sure do. It's not The Editing Bay. It's not Edit Bay. It's somewhere in between. It's EditingBay.com. Please uh, go there and bookmark it. Anytime you need to find something else out about our little podcast, you're going to find it there. Uh, things like links to our social networks, the aforementioned Facebook page, you're going to find a link to it there, as well as our Twitter handle, which is at the Editing Bay. Please follow us there. You'll always be the first to know what movies we're talking about. Sometimes I'll tweet out little fun stuff. Oh, what did I tweet today? I tweeted, uh, oh, Joe, <laughs> it's, uh, it's too late now, but... Um, Tonight, Edgar Wright was doing a live tweet along with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That's what? right. And so if you go to what? his uh, Twitter feed, you're going to see uh, all his little live tweets via Scott Pilgrim. And if you were following us on the, uh, at the Editing Bay, you would have known that that was happening tonight. So you're missing Man. out if you're not following us there. All that and more on EditingBay.com.
I missed that, and I missed the the community table read that I've got to oh, try to find. Yeah. I'm sure you're slacking yeah. at life right now, Joe. You're just slacking at life, dude. I really am. <laughs> I'm messing up big time. Uh, guys, leave us a rating and a review on your podcasting app. Five star rating would be fantastic, and then a review. Let us know what you like about the show. Uh, you know what? If there's stuff that you think we could be doing better. Go ahead and let us know about it. We take criticism as long as it's five-star criticism. Because you know what? If you leave less than five stars, you know what you are? You're a filthy masturbator, and you need to have your hand put in a toaster. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Which, guys, I just want you to understand. Like, my wife is sitting here behind me and doesn't know, doesn't have the, 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 she doesn't have the luxury of knowing what we've been talking about. (laughs) So, me just out of nowhere saying you're a dirty masturbator. (laughs) I feel like there's a story there. And I don't know if I should be more worried that she just kind of casually can walk by and just be like, that's just Joe talking to Joel and Tess. Just another Tuesday night. Just another Tuesday night talking about beating off. Um, (laughs) So so seriously, five-star rating and a review. Okay, so we need something that's going to wash the palate out. Joel, what are we doing? (laughs) Well, uh, as you mentioned earlier, we uh, we lost Fred Willard this past week, uh, and so uh, we should be doing an episode – R.I.P. That, R.I.P. That's right. No, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you can't now <laughs> pretend to care about white people. We you played. Your I do care about white people. I love white people. Well, not I enough to uh, Emilio Estevez. Not enough to change your pick. Emilio Estevez. Dude, if there was any kind of justice in the world, Emilio Estevez would be dead right now and not Fred. Oh no! Oh my god! It's like, I didn't know you hated Emilio Estevez this much. Fuck Emilio like, Estevez. Yeah, no. I was like, what did he do to you? Is he like your Polly Sh- He's like Polly Shore. Not until after. <laughs> Don't you bring up Polly Shore. <laughs> well, God forbid, not until uh, Mighty Ducks 4 comes up. Please, we need him around for that. Yeah, gonna exactly. Be a, a uh, but no, so we should be doing a Fred Willard character, but um, I too do not care about white people, so I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to kick that can down the road a little bit because, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll do it, it at some point. We'll address it. it but um, I, just don't, I don't feel like I'm uh, ready to sacrifice another uh, another pick for uh, a dead person. So Irfan Khan got my uh, my Deadpool card. And so what are you motherfuckers going to have to do Fred Willard? I'm, I'm calling Joe? your bluff, Joe. Yeah, I've, already got a Joe. Movie, I've already got a movie picked out for mine. Oh, shit. Well, then, uh, sorry, oh, Fred Willard. Well, uh, We'll well, I guess I'll, no, you know what? You know what? I'll do it when my pick comes back around. In That's true, what I'll do. In true Jimmy Kimmel style, I'll, apologies to Fred Willard. We'll get to him next. Week. <laughs> but this one has been uh, this one's been on the list for a while. We're coming into uh, summer months now, and while there's no new summer movies coming out as of yet, uh, let's. We, we, this is the time for those blockbusters, right? So those movies that are uh, sometimes based on novels, very popular uh, young adult books that um, have. Uh, garnered uh, a following and uh, enough to create i think four films in this series uh the first of which we'll be talking about next week when we tackle uh, the hunger games starring uh, oh. jennifer lawrence and uh that one hemsworth and that other dude that nobody likes and uh, some other people that some people like uh so maybe we can talk about the uh, entirety of that uh, <laughs> franchise in a whole <laughs> Uh, I'm not really a fan of that. I know it has, uh, I know it has a big fan following, uh, but there's a lot to talk about the hunger games. 
So I want to dissect that next week on the podcast. Joe, Joe's been shaking his head for the last 30 seconds as the I've been time. justifying this pick. Rest in peace, Fred Willard. <laughs> <laughs> next week, we're going we're to honor Fred Willard with the Hunger Games. It's, we just got to honor Fred Willard for the rest of the year. That's it. Oh, there you That's go. The, the rest Willard. of the year. It's, we're just going to watch movies, and whenever we see him, like, oh, man, hey, look. Look, he was in this. <laughs> I think it would be even funnier if, like, next week somebody picks a movie starring Matthew Lillard. <laughs> just do the names of the – Gonna do Willard starring Crispin Glover and the rats. Oh, oh crap. Shit. <laughs> oh, shit. I thought we got it right. We got it right this time. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Oh, my God. Joe, I can, right. can I guess by your shaking head that you're not a fan of that movie or the franchise? I'm not. I, I feel like it's it's a bit of a slog. Uh, oh, yeah. so, it has so its that, defenders. That's going to be. Are you one of them? No, I am not. Well, this will be fun then. Yes. <laughs> so join us next week as at least two thirds of the podcast yes. talk shit about the Hunger Games. We'll be paying tribute. And Tess is like, I still don't see any black people anywhere. at all. But Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> she does make up for that. <laughs> we we have picked two dystopian white ass movies in a yep. row. Well, this one's a little more fun, maybe. <laughs> Where they kill children? <laughs> this is more fun. You know what? I'm gonna just, I'm gonna pick a black ass movie from <laughs> Dolomite. <laughs> I'm gonna get you, sucker. <laughs> oh, I would do that one. Soul plane. <laughs> yes. No, no more no more plane movies this year. We're done with planes. Uh, not, even snake not, not even snakes on a plane? Maybe. I, I'll make an exception for that. Oh man. Oh, Tess, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I don't care about white people, remember? (laughs) Jeff, thank you, sir. (laughs) Tess, good job. Yeah, man. Joel, always a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. (laughs) We'll catch you next week for the Hunger Games. Yeah. In honor of Fred Willard. (laughs) Yeah. R.I.P. Fred Willard, the big guy. (laughs) Name me three movies he was in. See you guys next week. (laughs) Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.